Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Shalom Aleichem. And Tzahoraim Tovim. Good afternoon. We are going to get started. We can uh, maybe close the door for the children. That would be fantastic. Maya? Okay. Thank you. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started, everybody. Today we're going to be studying Parashat Vayeshev. And we're going to be reading out of Breshit 37 today. That's Genesis 37 and verse 36. But before that, we're going to pray the bracha. And here we go. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai our God, Sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. And may we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Bimru. Bereshit 37, 36. Before we read, just want to give you a little bit of background of what's going on here in the this part of the parasha that we're going to study. So we're talking about Yosef. If you want to um, really understand Yeshua and his life, study Yosef. The parallels are unparalleled. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, if you want to know how to deal with suffering, how to deal with character, how to build character, faith, what have you, Study Yosef. That's what we're going to be doing here today. And so Yosef was a young man. Uh, he was 17 years old at this time. He comes with Yaakov. He's the son of his, uh, his father's old age with Rachel. And they come home to Eretz Israel. They're in the land. And Yosef has prophetic dreams. Amazing dreams. Two, in fact, that he relates to his brothers. And um, in Sherry, unfortunately, he lacked tact, lacked a bit of wisdom in, in Sherry and how he shared. And so he got rebuked and his brothers hated him already, right? And then they added, uh, he's, uh, he also started adding salt to the wound with the first one. They hated him even more. And then, they, he, and then he added the whole, a whole pile of salt, a whole bag of, of salt or the whole Morton thingy, right? Of salt. We just bought one last week for HEB, right? The whole Morton thing is like, into the wound, and they hated it even more to the point that they wanted to kill him. They wanted him dead. Right? Uh, then, Yaakov sends Yosef out to his brothers to go check on them, and they're not where they're supposed to be. They're not, they're not in Shechem. They're in Dothan. They're somewhere else. Right? So, the father knows what's going on. Yaakov is not uh, blind and clueless to what's going on. You can tell when, you know, uh, when one of your sons or daughters is getting picked on by the others and they don't like each other, what have you, right? You can, you can tell as a parent. But yet, through Ruach HaGodesh, he sends them out. And what ends up happening is he reaches them and on, they see him. They're, he like, they're like, really, you found us? 
We came over here to hide from all y'all, and you found us. And of course, it has to be the dreamer, right? Our favorite little brother. And they plot to kill him. Long story short, they sell him into slavery instead. So this is where we pick up. Bereshit 37, verse 36. I encourage you to follow along. And it says, Now, the Medanites had sold him to Egypt, to Potiphar, a courtier of Pharaoh, the chamberlain of the butchers. So the Mennonites, whom the brothers sold him to, are now selling him. So he's, he's exchanging hands. Okay? He's, he's property right now. And now he belongs to, he's being sold to Egypt, to Potiphar, one of the main leaders, chamberlain of the butchers. Now we're going to skip to chapter 39 and verse 1. And this is what it says. And Yosef had been brought down to Egypt. Potiphar, a courtier of Pharaoh, the chamberlain of the butchers, a prominent Egyptian, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Hashem was with Yosef. That is the basic theme of our, of our of my drash today, of our drash today. Hashem was with Yosef. Let's say that together. Hashem was with Yosef. And he became a successful man and he remained in the house of his Egyptian master. His master perceived that Hashem was with him and whatever he did, Hashem made succeed in his hand. Friends, for an idolater to recognize Hashem in you, that's a good thing. Do you hear that? It doesn't say, Potiphar recognized there's some kind of God one of the gods is with Yosef, with, with Yosef. You know, maybe it's a god of the sun. Maybe it's a god of the, of the sea or whatever. No, 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 no. He said, he recognized Hashem is with this guy. Imagine that. An idolater recognizing Hashem. And it continues. And whatever he did, Hashem made succeed in his hand. Yosef found favor in his eyes and he attended him. He approached him over his household. And whatever he had placed in his custody. And it happened that from the time he appointed him in his house and over whatever he had, Hashem blessed the Egyptian's house on Yosef's account. So that Hashem's blessing was in whatever he owned, in the house and in the field. He left all that he had in Yosef's custody and with him present, he concerned himself with nothing except for the bread that he would eat. Now Yosef was handsome of form and handsome of appearance. So. Potiphar, he's like, hey, I don't got to worry about nothing. All I got to worry about is my menu, right? What do I want? You know, what am I craving today, right? You know what? I'll take some peanut butter and jelly for, for breakfast. That's all he had to concern, concern himself about. That's it, right? I would love to have that problem, right? But I got to worry about the chores, right? I got to worry about the yard. I got to worry about the bills. I got to worry about, you know, uh, are, are, we, are we keeping kosher in here? Are we making sure that we're separating meat and dairy in here? Right? All these things. Right? I got to worry about all these. Ah, Pharaoh's like, what am I going to eat? <laughs> right? All because of Yosef. Now, we're going to learn from the, from the Midrash Rabbah today. Breshit Rabbah 86.4 explains in what sense God was with Yosef more than the other tribes. Listen, it says Hashem was with Yosef. What about the other tribes? He was not with them? Or what? What's going on here? So the Midrash explained. Rabbi Yudan explained. This can be compared to an animal driver who had 12 animals. 
This is so cool. I love it because the sages always taught with parables, right? Anybody want to take a guess? Who else taught with parables? Anybody? Yeshua. I wonder why, right? He's one of them. That's why. So here's a parable. This, compare, this can be compared to an animal driver who had 12 animals, specifically their cattle. He had them in front of him, all of which were laden with wine. They were carrying fine, kosher wine. One of the animals entered a store belonging to an idol worshiper. Uh-oh. What to do? Upon witnessing this, the cattle driver left the 11 behind and went after the one. I'm tempted to go into the lost sheep, but that's a different context. That's what we're going to, to Shuvah, and this is not the same context. But yet, Yeshua, the good shepherd, left the 99. You guys are good, but there's one that left, right? I'm going to go after that one. So the, the context is different, but the premise is the same. So he walks into the store after the one animal. Those watching were like, why would you do that? Why would you leave the majority just for the one a vast minority? Right? Surely the, the majority need your attention the most. Listen to his response to them. These 11 are in the public domain. And I am not concerned that perhaps that wine, the concern is the wine, upon them will become nesech. Everybody say nesech. Nesech is wine that has been poured out as a libation to an idol. Or is he walking into an idol worshiper's store? An idol worshiper's like, wine! Let's offer it to an idol. That's what he's concerned about. The cattle driver. Right? And so, by the way, very important for us to understand this. Drinks don't normally carry a hexure. Drinks don't normally carry a hexure. The OU for signifying that they're kosher. Right? You go to uh, Coca-Cola, for example, Sprite, Dr. Pepper, water, bottled water, right? Things like that. Bricks, brisk tea. None of them will, you will never find you'll not you will not find a hexer on there because they don't need one. Drinks do they, they don't necessarily need a hexer except for one. Wine and grape juice. Need a hexer. Why? Because in old days, and even today, vineyard owners, I'm not saying all, but the thing is we don't know which one. Vineyard owners that produce wine, produce grape juice, still offer libations with their wine unto their gods, their multiple gods. And when we take unkosher wine that does not have an OU or doesn't have some kind of hexer on there, and what we're doing is we're taking in wine or grape juice that has possibly been offered up to an idol. Therefore, it's very important that we search diligently for these. So, so he's searching to make sure that the wine does not become nesech. Unlike the one who entered the idol worshiper's store, I am following him to ensure that the wine he is carrying does not become Nesech wine. Whenever Yeshua 
taught with a parable. What would he do next? He would teach with a parable, right? You're like, you're using all kinds of symbols. And, uh, what on earth does that mean? Right? You read it at face value, you're like, what on earth? And what would he do right after that? He'd gather his disciples and he'd explain it. Guess what? It's going to happen here. They're going to explain it. The parable is explained. Similarly, these 11 remaining tribes are older and under the authority of their father. Remember, there's 11 tribes left behind. Technically, there's 10 because Benjamin has not been born yet, but he's in the womb, right? So he's, he's there too, okay? So they're left behind with the father and require less supervision because the father's not going to allow them to become nesech, to have them go unkosher, to have them go away from Torah. Now, this one though, the one that left, now, did Yosef leave on his own volition? No, he was sold by force. This one, Yosef, is younger. He's 17. And under his own authority in Egypt. And he is more susceptible to sin. And thus he requires more supervision. Therefore, Hashem was with Yosef. Let's say that together again. Hashem was with Yosef. That's why he was with Yosef. It's okay. So now, let's kind of try to put this into layman's terms. It's just everyday terms. I used to be a, an associate pastor, an assistant pastor at a congregation in Mission, Mission, Texas. For years. I was there for a long time. Went to, went to seminary there, uh, uh, was ordained there, and served there for years. While I was there, I was one of the assistants, one of many. So whenever I had a problem, whenever I had an issue, all I had to do was go, just, I, I just pick and choose. Who am I going to see? <laughs> right? Hey, Pastor so-and-so, Pastor so-and-so. I mean, I had a, a whole buffet who to choose from for help. And if I messed up, they would come to me, you know, and help me out. And, you know, it was very helpful. I was safe under their covering. And one day I'm asked, hey, would you and your family go to start a brand new congregation in Belfast, Northern Ireland? Bell what? What on earth is that? <laughs> I've never even heard of that place. There's a Northern Ireland? I thought that was just Ireland, right? And uh, uh, Hashem orchestrated the whole thing. We ended up going. Do I have the help now? Am I under the covering anymore? Technically, yeah, but not really. You know, hear what I'm saying? I, I'm the leader now. And now, exactly, now I needed more supervision. And they understood that. And you know what they would constantly do? Constantly send me an email, check up on me. Give me a phone call, check up on me. Come and visit for a week or a weekend or for a missions trip or whatever, what have you. And they will come to help me because they knew. He lives, oh, back then I was Cito. Cito's all by himself. He needs more supervision. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right? So, back to our story. We got Reuben. We got Le- Levi. We got Yisachar. We learned about him uh, last week. Zebulun. All the tribes. Hey, they're good. They're safe with Yaakov. Right? But without the covering, Yosef needed Hashem more. But that begs the question, but isn't God everywhere? Isn't God omnipresent? 
Why would, but the Torah is saying that Hashem was with Joseph, implying that he wasn't with the others. Well, here's the answer. According to Rav Chaim Friedlander, the answer is in understanding the difference between God's open Shekhinah. Everybody say Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the presence of God. In, in the church world, when I was part of it, uh, they would always say, the Shekhinah glory. Right? The Shekhinah. The Shekhinah. Um, th- that's not how you pronounce it. It's Shekhinah. It's His presence. The Rav is saying, there's a difference between God's open Shekhinah in the land of Israel and His hidden Shekhinah in exile. Both are His Shekhinah. But one is obvious and open. One is hidden. Still there, but hidden. Now, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, is where the Shekhinah is manifested, friends. As it was, I don't know if you remember, when Shlomo built the temple and was dedicating it. And the Kohanim were going in, attempted to go in, offer the incense, and they could not minister because of the thick cloud of glory. That's open. His open Shekhinah. Remember a guy named Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, right? Uh, there's all these prophets of Baal, right? Which means master, by the way. And uh, he challenged them to a duel, right? Let's see whose God is a real God. Right? This is Mount Carmel in Israel. And guess what? Hashem answers his drenched offering and consumes it in fire. Open Shekinah. Obvious Shekinah. Also, we're coming upon Hanukkah. We have Hanukkah here. Right? Starting tomorrow night. What happened during that time? The outnumbered Maccabees. Last week we were, we were discussing. The numbers, right? Uh, somebody was suggesting maybe 300. But no. I looked at the numbers. The Maccabees had 10,000. So we're off by 9,700. <laughs> but the Syrian Greeks had, the Syrian Greeks under Antiochus Epiphanes had 65,000. The difference, not just the numbers, the Syrian Greeks were trained soldiers. The Maccabees, were mostly farmers, day workers. And they were fighting. Who should have won? Easy. Syria, the Syrian Greeks, under Antiochus. Easy. But what happened? Oh, God did an open miracle again. And the 10,000 defeated the 65,000. A great miracle happened. And then not only that, came back to the temple. It is in shambles. It, is, it needs to be rededicated completely. And there's only enough oil, kosher olive oil, that is sealed by a kohen for one day. It was going to take eight days to get to the place where they produced new oil. But four days there, four days back. Eight days. By the time we get more oil. And yet, it stayed lit for eight days days. That's open. You hear what I'm saying? And all this happened where? Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. Now listen, 
the sages teach, in particular Or Chaim, he teaches this. Every nation has an angel that oversees it. Do you guys know that? I mean, there's angels, there's like countless angels. But there's specific angels that Hashem has dedicated to oversee nations, the Goyim. But not Israel. Oh, we don't have an angel. I want an angel too, right? We don't have an angel. We don't need one. Why? Because Hashem Himself watches over Israel, the land. How amazing is that? Okay, when you put it that way, I don't need the angel. I'd rather have Hashem, right? Proof. Tehillim 121.4. Psalm 121.4 says this. Behold, the guardian of Israel. The guardian of what? Israel. The land. Neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't even take a nap. He doesn't even close his eyes to rest his eyes. My wife says that sometimes. You know, uh, she'll be like, I'll be like, babe, stay up. You know, we're doing something. Stay up. I'm just gonna close. My, I'm just gonna rest my eyes, <laughs> and in two minutes, <laughs> she's she's done. Hashem doesn't even do that. So, the United States, Mexico, China, Kenya, England. The list goes on and on. Each have their own overseeing angel. That's pretty cool, though. You only need one for a whole nation. I don't want to mess with that angel. I'm pretty sure Argentina and France you know, are hoping that their angel helps them win the World Cup tomorrow. Right? They're like, oh, please. Israel, however, is so special to God that he watches over it himself. Listen, friends, Yeshua. Um, where did he go? He didn't go to the RGV. He didn't go to China. He didn't go to England. He did not set foot once outside of Eretz Israel, save for when he had to go, when he was taken down to Egypt. <gasps> Joseph, parallel, right? To escape from Herod, right? But he himself was always in Israel. And guess where he's going to set up his throne? In Israel, in Jerusalem, in the temple. And listen, friends, and when he sets it up, every nation that is overseen by those individual angels, will pay homage to Him there. you got to pay homage. Yeshua's going to say, you got to come here and pay homage to me here. That's too far. Okay, no rain. No rain for you. Drought. Sukkot, exactly. got to come here, pay homage to me here. Imagine that. Now, Tomorrow night, we like the first night of Hanukkah. We, we like the Hanukkiah. Now this, contrary to popular opinion, is not a menorah. Okay? That right there is a menorah. Seven branches, same as the one in the temple. This was not in the temple. Okay? This one has nine branches. It's dedicating, it's specifically dedicated to celebrating Hanukkah. Okay? I just want to make sure. It's Hanukkiah. Hanukkiah. Um... Tomorrow night when we light it, by the way, we light it by lighting the shamash first, the one that's high lifted up above the rest first, and then we light the first one, right here, and we put it back down, we see the bracha, we see the blessings first, we can sing the songs, and all that good stuff, uh, after dark, after dark. The exception is on Shabbat, on Shabbat we don't light these after 
dark. We light these before dark. Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands that. Uh, and then what we do is we add a new one, right? Here and here every night. And we light from the newest one to the oldest one. Okay, does that make sense? When we're doing that, what are we commemorating? This is what we're commemorating. That a great miracle happened there in Israel. It, and how did it happen? It happened openly. The open Shekinah. Hashem directly oversees His chosen man. We play this game during Hanukkah with this little cool little toy. It's called a dreidel. And it's got four Hebrew letters on there. And they all mean something. They all stand for, it's an acronym for something. So first, we got the noon right here. The letter noon with the N sound. Okay? That stands for Ness. Ness. Everybody say Ness. Ness means miracle. Then we have the, the uh, Gimel. The Gimel, or Gimel, which stands for Gadol. Gadol means great. Miracle, great. Hebrew is backwards as far as with English, right? So if you literally translate it, it means miracle, great. Doesn't make, doesn't make sense in English, right? So we say a great miracle. Uh, Gadol means great. This is the Talit Gadol. It's big. It, Gadol means big, large. Underneath here, what we wear is the Talit Katan, right? The same thing, but very small. It's an undershirt with the, with the tzitzit hanging out. That is a small Talit. See the difference? Okay. So we got Nes Gadol. Then we have a Hey. A Hey. That stands for Haya. Ever say Haya? Not haya, not 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 karate, but haya means basically happened, past tense, happened or was, was past tense. Then we have a shin, a shin, and this shin stands for sham. Everybody say sham. So nes gadol haya sham sham. Means there. A great miracle happened there. Not here. Big difference. In Israel, there's one difference. The last letter is different for the dreidel. It's not a shin. Instead, it's a peh with a p sound, a peh. And the Hebrew letter is pol. Everyone say pol. Pole means here. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So we got to recognize, hey, the RGV is great and all, and it's home, but not really. That's home. I'm sorry, back here. <laughs> Here's the east. That's home where the great miracles happen there. Amen? And one day, when Yeshua comes and takes us home, we're still going to be playing dreidel. We're not going to be playing with this one because we're no longer going to be in exile. We're going to say, Paul, the great miracle happened. Paul happened here. Oh, man. I'm so excited about that day. My goodness. Now, this is why Mashiach Yeshua came to Eretz Israel and nowhere else. Nowhere else. Except for that one exception that I mentioned earlier. Ezar Shamash, the, the candle that is high and lifted up above the rest, high and lifted up above the rest, 
Ah, catch that? Yeshua, this represents Yeshua, light of the world, who gives us of his life, of his light. As our shamash, shamash means servant. This is the servant candle that lights the rest. As our shamash, he shined his miraculous light during the darkest time of pagan Roman rule. In Israel, he openly, what did he do openly? He didn't hide his healings. I mean, here or there, he would tell him to, here or there. For the most part, he's healing the blind. He's healing the lame. He's healing the paralyzed. He's healing lepers. He's healing the deaf. He's healing the mute. He's casting out demons that are, that are uh, deaf. That's all they hear. Even the demons, they can't hear. He cast those out. Openly. He fed 5,000 people one time that were starving. And he fed another 4,000. He fed 9,000 people. That's not hidden. Hello. That's not hidden. That's open Shekhinah. He restored an ear. Completely. Kefa chops off an ear. And he brings it back. The big one. He resurrected the dead. Open. Where? A great miracle happened there. Sham. There. Yohanan 10.22. We read this. Uh, Malak read this today during our Besorah portion. It says, then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Yerushalayim. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. Yeshua was walking in the temple during Hanukkah, celebrating Hanukkah. Isn't that amazing? Right? Last week, uh, we're talking over Oneg. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, the dilemma that we have right now as Jews with everything. Literally, everything around us is Christmas, right? I went shopping looking for a, a sweater or some sweaters. Every store, Jingle Bells and Snowmans and Reindeer and Santa Claus. I'm like, I was driving nuts. I can't even focus, right? <laughs> and yet, you ask somebody, Show me, as one of the guys was saying, show me in the scripture, show me in the Bible, show me in the Bible where it says Yeshua celebrated Christmas or told us to celebrate Christmas, right? You ain't going to find it. But guess what you do find? Him celebrating Hanukkah. So, verse 24. Then the Judean leaders surrounded him saying, how long will you hold us in suspense? Listen to the question. If you are the Mashiach, if you are the Messiah, tell us outright. What are they saying? Tell us out openly, please. Openly. Listen to Yeshua's answer. This is fantastic. I told you. He did tell them. I told you. But you don't believe. The works. Everybody say works. Oh, the works I do in my Father's name testify concerning me. I've been telling you and telling you and telling you every day of my life through my works. You don't believe me. So what is he saying? He's saying, I told you I am. You hear that? During Hanukkah, Yeshua says, I'm the Messiah. 
How did he say it? Openly. In Jerusalem, in the temple, jam-packed with worshipers, openly on the Messiah. Wow. However, what about the one? You talk about the open Shekinah. What about the hidden? When the Jewish people sinned and were exiled, as we are now, we are in exile right now. We're not home. We're in exile. The Shekhinah followed them into exile. The Torah teaches this. But he followed them in a hidden way. Where God would not perform open miracles. Have you noticed any clouds of glory in La Feria? Clouds of glory? Anybody? Anybody... Witness fire coming down from Shemaim in Granjeno, Peñitas, Harlingen, your backyard. But does that mean God is not here? He's here. Hidden. Hidden. Listen. This hidden presence comes with special protection. I want everybody to please say this with me. Special protection. Special protection. Listen to those words. Special protection. That prevents the Jewish people from being eradicated. Because we are going into the idol worshiper's store. You hear me? We're carrying the wine of Torah. And it could become unkosher. It can become nesek. When it's poured out as a libation, we could lose our Torah. We could lose our Judaism. We could lose our Mashiach. We could lose it all. That's why we have this special protection to keep that from happening. Now, while Hanukkah commemorates the open Shekhinah, this is the open miracles, we have another holiday that comes after this in the spring. Purim. Purim. Yeah, there you go. Listen to what that commemorates. That commemorates the hidden Shekhinah because the Shekhinah was hiding in Persia, not in Israel. How do you know this? Read all the book of Esther. Read it all. You will not find Hashem's name even once. Yet the whole book shouts His presence. But in a hidden way. Actually, I should rephrase that. It whispers His presence in a hidden way. His hidden miracles in Persia, in exile, prevented the wicked Haman from annihilating the Jews. The entire, ta- the entire time they were under threat, He was there with them because, as with Yosef, the Jews needed more supervision. Listen to what the Maharal, famous ancient rabbi from Prague in the Czech Republic, he compares God's hidden Shekhinah in exile to that found at a sick person's bedside. I'm pretty sure all of us have experienced being sick or being at someone's bedside when they're sick. There are two reasons why the Shekhinah, according to Maharal, is found next to a person's sick bed. Imagine that. When you're sick, Hashem is 
all the more closer to you. There's two reasons why. Number one, God mercifully draws close to those who need His extra support. And His mercy. See, He was with the 11 tribes. Right? But Yosef needed that extra What's the second reason? Second reason is, a sick person tends to be humbled by his illness. Am I, am I right? or are we, Is he right or wrong? Right? I can't get more humble than when I'm sick. I'm telling you that. I can't even function. Right? So we tend to be, be humbled in those situations. And what happens when we humble ourselves? That humility draws God's Shekhinah closer. Let me prove it to you. Isaiah 57.15. Yeshayahu 57.15. These are the words of Hashem. I abide. Everybody say abide. You know what abide means? It means I set up my camp. I stay there. I chill out there. I, I move in there. I want to be there. <laughs> well, this is how. I abide with a contrite and humble spirit. That's how. And when we're sick, we're down, humble. He sets up camp. See, in his youth, Yosef was unwise and he was a bit arrogant. He had some flaws. He's young. How many of us could say, you know, when I was 17, I wasn't, I wasn't like that. Whatever, right? We're probably, we were worse. We were worse. I know I was. But his time as a slave humbled him to the point that Hashem was with Yosef. See, we can be like the unbelievers. There's a lot, the, the majority in this world are unbelievers. And we can allow suffering. Would you say Yosef suffered? Obviously. I don't think any of us have suffered like Yosef. I seriously doubt that. But we can, we can choose to be like unbelievers and allow suffering to make us bitter. Right? Angry. And to say, you know what? I'm just going to deal with this on my own. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm going to deal with this on my own. Or we can be like Yosef. Who allowed suffering to be his mirror. You know what happens when we suffer? There's a mirror right in front of us. And now we're at a point where now I've got ears to hear. Now I'm listening. Because I can't go anywhere. I can't do nothing. That's bad English. I can't do anything. <laughs> and there's a mirror. And now you see the flaws. Oh. Right? It's our choice. Friends, as long as we're on earth, you will suffer. That's just the bottom line. Whether we're believers or unbelievers, everybody suffers. Right? But listen, I don't know about you. I'd rather suffer with God's hidden presence than with my bitterness because I don't see His open presence and miracles. Right? Oh, I prayed and nothing happened. So, eh, God's not real. Right? How many people do that? You know what? We're going to suffer anyways. I'd rather have... God camp out just like he camped out with Yosef right next to me. I'd rather humble myself and look in the mirror and say, 
forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, cleanse me, and I'm going to fix that. Help me fix it. See, Yosef was the epitome of the Jew in exile since he was enslaved and far away from his home and his family. In addition, not only that, he was among idolaters and very immoral people. Sounds a lot like our environment. Very immoral and becoming a lot more idolatrous. In Egypt, he was in Egypt. This posed a severe threat to his spiritual survival. Can you imagine if Yosef would have just said, you know what, I give up. I'm just going to give in. Man. He needed extra protection. Potiphar's wife, hello. That's part of the parashah. Potiphar's wife. That episode can't happen right after this. To protect him from these intense dangers, the Shekinah accompanied him in Egypt as it would accompany the Jewish people during their exile. There the Shekinah was hidden and that God, listen to this very carefully, God did not rescue Yosef through an open miracle. Did he? Was there an op any open miracle, any fire coming down, any clouds of glory? Nothing. And he continued to suffer. How many of us can identify with that? We suffer with, a, with, with what feels like slavery. It's like, I can't get these chains off. Right? I can't get these chains of, of sickness off of me. Of poverty off of me. Of temptation off of me. Of worry. Of fear. Of anxiety. Of anger. Of loneliness. Of depression. Of false accusations. And the list goes on. And I'm, I just feel like I'm shackled. Right? We hope and we pray for open miracles. Father, what do we, don't we pray all the time? Please, get rid of this. Do an open miracle for me. And what, what happens? The suffering continues. Right? Friends, Yosef, the life of Yosef is teaching us that it's in these moments that we need to realize that he may not be performing open miracles. We may not see him there, but he's there. He's just hiding his presence. And his miracles are with us. We pray this every day in Shacharit. His miracles, actually three times a day in the Shemon today. His miracles are with us every day. They're just hidden. They're so hidden, we don't even recognize them. See, friends, the lost, the unbelievers have no hope, and they get stuck in dark times. And this is the darkest month of the year. Around this time, there tends to be more suffering, more loneliness. It's darker. It has a, the physical surroundings have an effect on the soul sometimes. But listen, are you lost? Are we lost? I don't think we're part of the lost, are we? We're part of the found, aren't we? Right? We found Yeshua. Yeshua found us. We're part of the found. The found always have hope. That the dark times we go through. Everybody say through. That's the key word right there. What do I say about those that don't believe? They get stuck. 
we go through. Those dark times we go through are exactly that. Times we go through. Because we have the same special protection that Yosef had. The same one. Hanukkah lights shine the brightest in the darkest month. During Hanukkah, I'm going to end with this. During Hanukkah, during all eight days, we will be singing the Hallel. Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. If you don't know how to sing it, we just read it. This is after the, our morning prayers of Shakhtari every day. Um, Hallel is, is sung during every feast. We've sung it here. And, and there's a half Hallel during Rosh Chodesh as well. But during Hanukkah, we read the full Hallel all eight days. We sing all eight days. In Psalm 118, the climax, so to speak, of the Hallel is this. Ana Adonai Hoshia Na Ring any bell? Recognize it? What does that mean? Anna, please. It can also mean now. Please. Arunai. Arunai. Hoshia. Save. Na. Now. That's, what, that's the climax. So what are we saying? We're saying, Father, as we recite in the Hallel, protect us with that special protection. Save us from our surroundings. Save us from what we're shackled to. Because we're not really shackled. We're going to help us get through and not get stuck. And the second line is, Ana Adonai Hatslicha Na One word different. Ana, please. Adonai Hatslicha Bring success. Nah, nah. Why are you inserting that with salvation? Give us success as you gave Joseph. Hello. In the pagan world that all would see, that our Potiphar's would see, Hashem is with him. Hashem is with her. I don't believe in no God, but Hashem is with you. Not some God is with you. Hashem is with you. Yeshua. I see Yeshua in you. Give us that type of success that the world would see, including me. Do you hear me? Including me. Sometimes we need to see it for ourselves. How did I succeed in that? I, I couldn't do that by myself. Exactly. Exactly. It's his hidden breath. That gives us that hope, that boost, like, ah, oh, you are with me. You are with me as you were with Joseph. As you are with me, as you are with all Jews in exile. That Hashem is with me as he was with Joseph. Friends, we're that one animal in, the, in our parable that we were talking about at the beginning. We're that one animal carrying that kosher wine of Torah. We're carrying it. We're carriers of the Torah. And we're going into the idol worshiper's store. Take your pick. Literally everywhere we go, there's an idol worshiper's store. 
yet the cattle driver who is Hashem goes in to make sure we're safe and successful. Notice in the parable, he didn't go in there and say, hey, 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 hey don't you dare, come back. He just went in to check. Are you okay? Are you okay while you're in there? Is, is I don't is I don't get into that that Torah? Is I don't get into I'm sorry, is I don't worship get into that that I, that that wine? Okay, no, you're good right now. You're good. Okay, you're okay, you're okay. Do you hear that? See, he's not taking us out of the world. He's leaving us in there, but he's a cattle driver. He's coming and he's staying. And we may feel like I'm in this idol worshiping world all by myself. Oh, if you turn around and look. You try to find him, he's going to do this. <laughs> he's that strengthens your faith today. That inspires you today. During Hanukkah, beginning tomorrow night, may those lights blaze a fire in you. So remember that although a great miracle did not happen here, miracles do happen everywhere. Sing Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for Shabbat. Thank you for Hanukkah. Thank you, Father, for your miracles that are with us every day. Thank you that you have given us a special protection to keep that Torah up you, to keep from succumbing to our surroundings, Lord. Thank you, Father. We pray that you would help us to recognize those miracles when they happen. Thank you, Father, for the life of Yosef, all of you. Whoever in, in this place, Father, is struggling today, feeling shackled, Father, I pray that you would breathe into them life. Life, life, and shalom. Know that you're in Love you, pray for your blessing upon the rest of your body all of our money. Shem Yeshua, in the name of Yeshua we pray. Through.